Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. The Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. And we find our way to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter number 5. We've been going through this wonderful book and we only have a couple more lessons in this first half. Then we will take a pause and then continue with the second half of this study of the book of Ecclesiastes. But this has been a good study. The thing about Ecclesiastes is that you have King Solomon who's at the end of his life and he's still the wisest man who ever lived and he gives honest, honest observations. Now most of the, the early part of Ecclesiastes we can see that he's hating life and that he's taking observation and just seeing where he's at. We turn a corner as we hit to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter number 5 and we come to something that is a practical help no matter what stage of life we're in or what level of spiritual maturity we find ourselves in. We find this to be a very practical help. Turn with me if you don't mind to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and notice with me if you don't mind starting at verse number 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and in verse number 1. Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools for they consider not that they do evil. Be not rash with thy mouth and let not thy heart be hasty to utter anything before God for God is in heaven and thou upon the earth. Therefore let thy words be few. For a dream cometh through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by multitude of words. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than thou shouldest vow and not pay. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. Neither say thou before the angel that it was an error. Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thine hands? For in the multitude of dreams and many words there are also diverse vanities. But fear thou God. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a very powerful, needful phrase that we find in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, and notice with me in verse 1, where it gives the instruction, be ready to hear. Be ready to hear. This is a phrase that we need to probably hear more often. It's probably a phrase that we need to have written down that when we look at our notes, then we prepare for a meeting, that we prepare to do something. Be thou ready to hear. Be ready to hear. Now there's going to be a beautiful connection in verse 1 between our hearing and going to the house of God. Notice with me in verse 1. Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. This idea of keep thy foot is carrying the idea of paying attention. 
when you go to the house of God, it should be purposeful. I'm going to God's house on purpose. It's not just because I'm on autopilot. I'm going to God's house on purpose. Why am I going to God's house? That's a good question. Keep thy foot without goest to the house of God and be ready to hear. I'm going to God's house on purpose to hear from God. That should be the main reason, to hear from God. However, it is amazing how many people are not ready to hear. They're not ready. And perhaps we've all been there. Maybe it's just been a busy day. Maybe we're so distracted with other things and then our minds are on other things that we're not ready to hear. Maybe we haven't taken the time to prepare. Well, let me give an example. We believe that, uh, <laughs> that Sunday morning preparation is a Saturday night decision. What do we mean by that? You prepare on Saturday night. Now, I'm a father. I understand how this goes. If you don't prepare on Saturday night, then this is how your Sunday morning goes. Come on, where'd you put your clothes? Where's your shoes? You just had the... And you go through all of this, and then you show up, you gather everybody here, throw them at church. Now you're not ready to hear. You're not ready to hear from God. You're just lucky you showed up. Maybe it's an idea where... <laughs> A husband and wife, they decide to use that drive together to snap at each other. And there's World War III. And they come in carrying on two wheels. And they get out of their car and put a smile on their face, put their Bible in. and They're not ready to hear. When you go to church, it should be a Saturday night decision. You should already have your clothes laid out. The kids' shoes found, their socks put in a place where you could find them. You should already have the time that I'm going to go to bed at a decent time so I can wake up refreshed and renewed. I'm going to wake up in enough time to read my Bible, to prepare my heart, to be at peace so when I come in, I don't have to get right with God. I am right with God. So many times people will use the idea of church as <laughs> a social club. I'm not here to hear from God. I'm here to see my friends and whatever else. And God's trying to speak the whole time. But we're not ready to listen. Be thou ready to hear. Be thou ready to hear. Hold your finger here. And just let's look at a couple of quick passages before we come back and see the emphasis here. Notice with me in the gospel record of Matthew chapter 17. The gospel record of Matthew chapter 17. Matthew 17, and as you're looking at the gospel record of Matthew chapter 17, this is what is often called the Mount of Transfiguration, that Jesus Christ took his three inner circle disciples, Peter, James, and John, took them out to the mount, and he transfigured himself. That idea is he turned himself inside out. Remember that Jesus is God robed in flesh. At this time, at this moment, he took off his robe. And he was transfigured. He was God. And so as Jesus was transfigured, that Moses and uh, Elijah were sitting talking with Jesus. And they were talking about what Jesus was going to do. And Peter, who suffered from foot and mouth disease quite often, would just look. And notice what he said in verse number four. 
Matthew 17, verse 4. Then answered Peter and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us build here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. That here, let's build one for you, Jesus, one for the law, one for the miracles. It's just good to be here. Let's just stay here. The idea is that you can't stay up on the mountaintop. There's work that needs to be done. And Peter just opened his mouth. What he said was utter foolishness. Verse 5, while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud that said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Notice this last thing. Hear ye him. Peter, shut up and listen. Listen to what Jesus has to say. Now that ties back up to Ecclesiastes chapter number five. (coughs) Notice with me, Ecclesiastes chapter five, notice with me verse one. Keep Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. All right, so notice this. There's a sacrifice of fools, and it's compared to be ready to hear. All right, what is the sacrifice of fools? Well, the Bible happens to answer itself here. Notice, if you don't mind, in verse number two. Be not rash with thy mouth. Let not thy heart be hasty to utter anything before God, for God is in heaven, and thou be few, let thy, or, and thou be upon earth. Let thy words be few. Verse three. For a dream cometh through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by a multitude of words. You know what God is calling a fool here? Someone who's talking so much and they don't hear. In fact, write this down if you've never written this down. This is important for life, universe, and everything. As long as you are talking, you are not listening. As long as you are talking, you are not listening. This is a Bible principle, by the way. This is the principle we're finding here. As long as you are talking, you are not listening. Now, by the way, that also means talking in your head. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone? And you're looking at them, they're talking, you're seeing words going up there, but you're already planning what you're going to say next. As long as you are talking, you are not listening. The idea here is to be quiet and listen. What is God going to have me to say? We like to talk. We don't like to listen. So much so that God makes mention of this. We're not going to turn there. James 1, 9 where it says we're supposed to be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to raft. Be swift to hear and slow to speak. As long as you are talking, you are not listening. Remember, Peter said, hey God, let's, let's do this. He said something foolish. And God had to say, Peter, shut up. He didn't use the words, but it was implied Be swift to hear. Hear my son. Listen to him. God wants to speak to us every time the Bible is open. 
whether it's through the preacher or your personal Bible reading. Are you ready to listen? Are you ready to listen? Or are we just checking it off? You understand this is a purposeful decision. You don't listen by accident. I don't know if you've never noticed, but you don't listen on accident. You have to on purpose listen to someone. Otherwise, you just tune off and think about something else and go back and see their lips are still moving. Notice you didn't miss anything. So. Are you listening? Are you known as a talker or are you known as a listener? Are you ready to listen to what God has for us? God here puts the idea, are you ready to hear or are you a fool? Are you missing all the things that God wanted to give to you just because you were talking? That was introduction. Let's kind of dive into this a little bit more. Let's see the view that God has of our lives. The view that God has of our lives. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number two. Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thy heart be hasty. Notice this. You could speak in your heart. Let not your heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and thou upon the earth. Therefore, let thy words be few. Now, this whole context is speaking about making decisions and promises to God. We understand that. Now, is this saying that we're not supposed to make promises to God? That's not what it's saying. It's saying that we need to be very attentive to what we're saying based off of what God has told us. Let me give an example of something that repeats often. Someone says, preacher, I believe that I'm supposed to join the church. Praise the Lord. Wonderful. I don't do things right then and there. What I do is there's three questions I'll ask them. Do you know Jesus Christ is your personal savior? Tell me about it. Have you ever been biblically baptized? And I explain what biblically baptized. Yes, I've been biblically baptized. Good. Third of all, do you believe that God wants you to join our church. What does that mean, by the way? It means that God has placed you to put your life and your influence in this local church. Now, that's an important question to me. Why? Well, first of all, because of this verse here, it says that God knows everything. God is in heaven. This is the idea that God sees everything. God just doesn't see things from your perspective. He's up higher and sees everything. So what usually will happen from time to time, someone will join the church. And I'll, I'll make this a big deal. Do you believe that God wanted you to join the church? So later on, when they get sideways with me, well, preacher, I just don't think I should be part of the church no more. Hold on. Hold on. Did God lead you here? Yeah. Well, see, now they're stuck. <laughs> Either they admit that they were wrong and God didn't lead them here. Or God did lead him here. Now, if God led you here, did he know everything that we believed before you joined? Yes. So knowing that God knew everything and had you joined, did God know what you were going to be expected to do? Yes. Now, I'm not being mean, but we understand that we're hasty sometimes. God knows everything. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't make decisions. What it does mean is that we need to understand that we're responding to God. We can trust him. 
Well, I didn't know that this decision was going to entail all of this. But did God? Yes. Okay. Did God lead you to this decision? Yes. Then you can trust him. God knew what you were going to face. God knew what was going to there. For example, just forgive the personal illustration, but you know, all right. God led me to be a pastor. Wonderful. God led me to pastor here. Did God know everything I was going to go through? So I don't have a thing of like, I didn't know this was going to happen. Forget it. I quit. By the way, there are many preachers who sometimes do that. I'm using that as an example, but something we could all make an application for. If God had led, uh, led you to read your Bible, did God know all the things that were going to happen in your life? Did he still lead you to make that decision? Yes. You understand? God sees everything, not just from your perspective. You have limited information. God's in heaven. He sees everything. And if he leads you to make that decision and you respond to him, you could trust that he knew everything before you even made that decision. Even if you didn't have all the information, God did. Does that make sense? We can trust him. Now, again, this is supposed to be the idea to consider that we're not supposed to be hasty, but with this a consideration that as I make a decision responding to God, God knew it all already. And I can trust him. So I don't have to go chicken little, the sky is falling, the sky is falling because something hit that I didn't know or that I was not expecting. We can trust him. <laughs> um, notice in verse 3. For a dream cometh through the multitude of business and a fool's voice is known by a multitude of words. That multitude of business, by the way, is effort and activity. That someone can say, oh man, I have a dream to do something. And they go ahead and try to do it, and, but it wasn't what God led them to do. And then when it all crashes around them, well, God, no, no, don't blame God for something that you opened your mouth and said you were going to do. Does it make sense? We need to be careful with our words. Because when God leads us to a decision, he has already considered all of it. We're responding to him. But when we're responding out of emotion, we're responding because this is what I want to do. We understand that if you're doing it because it's fun, guess what? The fun's going to run out. (laughs) Most of you have been through this sometime or another. All right. God's led you to the decision of reading your Bible. And when the time you make your decision, reading your Bible's fun. It's open enough. You're learning so much. But then in every Christian's life, you hit the dry spell. That all of a sudden, I'm reading my Bible And I'm just not getting out of it as much as I am. Sometimes it seems dry. Sometimes it's a work to read my Bible. Well, it's no longer fun. I'm going to stop reading my Bible. You know why God put you in that dry spell? To see if you'd read it, whether it was fun or not. Because he led you to do it. And once you commit that I'm going to read through it, even when it's no longer any fun, he puts the fun back into it. Makes it come alive. Every Christian hits that. Most of you remember calling me and telling me about that. Remember? I remember. But that's normal. Why? God is trying to see if you're going to do it because you made a decision because God led it to you or if you're doing it just because it was fun at the time and now that it's no longer fun, I'm not doing it anymore. Does that make sense? All of our decisions, whether it's I'm making a decision that I'm going to be faithful to the house of God. Be careful of that decision. God's leading you to that, but make sure that you are understanding this is what God has me to do and I'm not doing it because it's fun even though it should be fun, you should enjoy going to church. 
I'm doing this because this is what God has given me to do. You see, now we're talking about our decisions and the weight of our decisions. God doesn't want us to make emotional decisions because emotions will dry up. And when the emotions dry up, guess what? Where are you left? I'm not doing decisions because this is what the crowd is doing. I'm making a decision intellectually because this is what God's given to me and I could trust him. And because this is what he's given me to do, I'm not only making the decision, I'm going to stick with that decision because this is what God has given me to do. Be careful with our mouth because our mouth can run us into a lot of trouble if it is not led by God. Does it make sense? So the view that God has in our life, which now brings us to the vow we make to God. The vow that we make to God. <laughs> so God is making us, leading us to make decisions. Again, I am not saying don't make decisions. That's not what this is. If you walk away and that's what you come to the conclusion, you didn't hear what I said. What I am saying is that we need to make sure that we are making proper decisions based off of the response to God, knowing that we can trust him. The vow that we make to God, verse 4, when thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Who is the fool? The one who just with words said, all right, God, I'm going to do this. Now, again, we can make emotional decisions and we need to be careful with those because we're held to the decisions we make. You know that when you stand before God, part of what we're going to do is stand before him and be measured to the decisions we made to God. That's why we need to be careful and make specific decisions, practical decisions. Remember, we teach you this, the discipleship, personal, practical, and measurable. Why? We're trying to teach you to make proper decisions, decisions that you are able to do. For example, let's say someone foolishly, preacher, I made a decision tonight. I'm going to read my entire Bible tomorrow. Okie dokie. Well, we know that reading the Bible in average reading speed is 72 hours. That's it. But we don't have 72 hours in one 24-hour period. All right? So is that an impractical decision? It's a foolish decision, isn't it? We need to be careful with the decisions we make. Because remember, God is not a grandfather that pats us on the head and said, well, you didn't know better. He says, no, you made a decision. You are expected to keep the decisions you make. Be careful with the decisions that you make, though. Again, I'm not saying don't make decisions. What I am saying is that we're making those decisions based off God's prompting, making personal practical and measurable decisions that we can do and keep. And if you make those decisions, you need to keep them. If you told God you're going to read your Bible every day, you better read your Bible every day. God doesn't suffer fools. <laughs> Most of us are thinking back at our life and calculating, oops. Because at this time, God's bringing back some of those decisions that we brought up. Hey, if you made a decision to pass out a track every week, uh, you better be keeping passing out track every week again <laughs> now we're not trying to make people to make emotional decisions we we try not to you need to make practical decisions but you need to keep what you have notice with me verse five better is it that thou shouldest not vow than thou shouldest vow and not pay 
God says, I'm not trying to make you twist your arm to make decisions. But if you make a decision, you need to keep it. It is a serious thing. Now, we often say the most important thing, most important part of a church service is our invitation. Why? Because it's in our invitation that based off the information given to us and knowing who God is, we're now making a decision to to do something to follow after God. This is an important time that we're doing business with God. By the way, this is why I personally invite people to move from their seat to come here. Why? Because there's something about making a move, putting action to it, that makes that decision just a little bit more real. Does that make sense? Because this is an important time. This is a time that we are now responding to God because of who he is. Now, you may think that you're afraid to make a vow to God. Don't be afraid. No one in this world is interested in your life like God is interested in it. No one cares for you like God. When we are ready to listen and he speaks, it is right and correct to make those decisions. Knowing that don't make them and then forget about them. Keep that decision. Notice if you don't mind, we see something else here. Oh, sorry, as we continue to go on. Um, <laughs> the victory we can have. The victory we can have. Notice with me verse 6. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. Notice this is some big language here. This t- every, uh, every part of this uh, um, Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verses 1 through 7 is speaking about our mouth opening our mouth, saying foolish things, making promises, not keeping our promises, uh, causing our flesh to sin because now we're saying things that we can't keep. Suffer not, thy mouth to, uh, suffer not thy mouth to cause thy sin to flesh. Neither say before the angel. Notice that word angel there. The word angel in its simplest form just means messenger. In this idea of angel here, it's not talking about some celestial being. The idea of angel here is caring about the messenger that God has presented to you. In this case, your pastor. So don't go to your pastor and say that it was an error. (laughs) Pastor, I know that I made a decision. I'm going to read my Bible every week. But you know what? I made a mistake. Don't go to God or your pastor and try to back out of a decision that you made. It's not going to work. I'm here to be the messenger boy saying this is what God has said. What, how are you going to respond to it? You can't go back and say, oops, 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 oops. I made a mistake. You, God says, don't do that. Wherefore, should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thy hands? Meaning that if I say I'm going to read my Bible every, every, every day, and by the way, that's a good decision. And then you say, oh, well, I didn't get to it. And then you go to the pastor. Well, the reason why I didn't read my Bible is because of this and this and this. And I, I know that I told God I wasn't going to. But, you know, listen, God's not going to just pat us on the head and say, well, you know, you didn't know better. He says, you made a promise to me. I'm the God of the universe. You need to keep it. Don't try to come up with an excuse of why you can't keep your decision now. If you made a decision, keep it. Because God doesn't suffer fools. If we make a decision, we should keep it serious. There are consequences for not keeping our decision. Let's go back to the simple one. I made a decision. I'm going to read my Bible every day. That's a good decision. Now, God didn't say that you didn't make a decision that you're going to read um, 
a hundred passages every day, but hopefully you made something that, well, I could read my Bible for five chapters, three chapters, 15 minutes, something manageable for where you're at. And then you could build upon that decision later. But if you made that decision and then say, well, God, I just didn't know how busy I was going to get. Did God know your schedule beforehand? Yeah. All right. So that's not going to be a good excuse. But if someone says, God, I just can't read my Bible. You know how busy I am now. I just can't read my Bible. I'm sure you understand. You know, there's consequences for it. Are there consequences for not reading your Bible in the first place? Yes. Are there consequences for not reading your Bible when you told God you were going to read it? Yes. And this is a big deal. Now, we're not painting a picture of a mean God. But we are painting a picture of a holy, righteous God who sees all of heaven. Who wants the best for us. When we refuse to make or keep our decisions, we're hurting ourselves. We're hurting ourselves. God had plans to use us. Now, this is serious things here. Now, we're going to have a revival service next week. Is God expecting to speak to us? Have we been doing things to prepare our hearts beforehand? Yes. We had a prayer vigil where we had people sign up and they took time to pray uh, for a couple hours. Do you think praying a couple hours is a good way to prepare your heart? Absolutely. We've been praying beforehand for the meeting. We have been giving. Uh, Many of us have given financially for this meeting. We're investing in it. God has given us some great messages like Wednesday night's message about being dead to self and being filled with the Spirit, being dependent upon God. Is that a good way to prepare for a revival meeting? Yes. Has God given us a Sunday school message here saying, hey, don't make a a decision foolishly. So God is preparing us because he plans on speaking to us. Now, if you go out of the revival service and said, woohoo, I survived, I didn't make a single decision. That's probably not the best place to be in. God is trying to do something in our life to help us to make a decision. He is preparing us. He's lining things up. Why? Because we believe the greatest things, uh, days of this church are still ahead. And it starts with revival services like next week. God has done a lot to prove himself. He's done a lot to show that there's a real God in heaven. He's done a lot to supply. He's done a lot in our lives. He's answered some of our prayers. We've watched God work. He's lining things up. Are you ready to hear? If you're ready to hear and recognize who God is, then it's followed up with a proper decision, not an emotional decision, not a foolish decision, but a real decision. God, what do you want me to do? And I will do that. You show me what to do. You tell me what my next step is. You tell me what I need to do. Now, is God giving you those things because he wants the best for you? Absolutely. God is not going to ask you to do something that's going to hurt you. He's going to ask you something that's going to be a help to you. We need to be prepared to listen because God can give us victory. Verse 17, for in the multitude of dreams, many words, there are diverse vanities, but fear thou God. Here's the conclusion here. We need to fear God. Notice this, for in the multitude of dreams and many words, there are also diverse vanities. This idea of vanity is emptiness. Uh, Verse seven, what it's speaking about is that people can give us ideas of, for our lives. Someone can go, listen here, you are supposed to be a missionary. 
And they may be saying things. We could get advice from all kinds of people that say what we should do with our life. And what happens if it's not led of God, we could be led to a lot of different places away from him. We need to be careful with the voices that we hear. Am I hearing God's voice? Am I responding to him? Why am I making this decision? Am I doing this because this is what God has given us me to do? Or am I doing this because it feels good to make this? So what we're doing is we're saying, you know, be considerate about the decisions you make. You should make decisions, but they should all be in response to God. God will always enable us to do what he has led us to attempt for him. God wants to give us victories. He wants us to step up by faith. He wants us to stretch ourselves. And it's going to be step at a time. He's not giving you 100 miles down the road or one mile down the road. He's going to give you the next step and the next step and the next step. All I have to do is follow. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. He knows what he's doing. Are you ready to hear? Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.